Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome to uh, Deuteronomy as I mentioned this morning in the in the morning service we're on a one of the feasts the Jewish feasts of booths it actually is which is one of the times one of the one of the main feasts of the Jewish people and it is had at very specific purposes so uh, this is in Deuteronomy 16 uh, we might make it to the end of the chapter, but we'll most likely stop in verse 17. We start at Deuteronomy 13 um, and go, um, the chapter 22 goes to 22. But I'll open in prayer first. Um, a few years ago, I was introduced to uh, the Valley of Vision, which is prayers of Puritans. And so I'm going to open with one of those um, this morning. So please pray with me. O God, the Holy Spirit, that which I do not know, teach me. Keep me a humble disciple in the school of Christ. Learning daily that there, there what I am in myself is a fallen, sinful creature, justly deserving everlasting destruction. But let me never lose sight of my need of a Savior or forget that apart from him I am nothing and can do nothing. Open my understanding to know the Holy Scriptures Reveal to my soul the counsels and the works of the Blessed Trinity. Instill into my dark mind the saving knowledge of Jesus. Make me acquainted with his covenant undertakings and his perfect fulfillment of them. That by resting on his finished work, I may find the Father's love in the Son, his Father, my Father, and may be brought through your influence to have fellowship with the three in one. O oh, lead me in all truth, thou spirit of wisdom and revelation, that I may know the things that belong to my peace, and through you be made new. Make practical upon my heart the Father's love as you have revealed in the scriptures. Apply to my soul the blood of Christ effectually, continually, and help me believe with conscience comforted that it cleanses from all sin. Lead me from faith to faith that I may at times have freedom to come to a reconciled Father and may be able to maintain peace with him against doubts, fears, corruptions, temptations. Your office is to teach me to draw near to Christ with a pure heart, steadfastly persuaded of his love, in full assurance of faith. Let me never falter in his way. Amen. 
That again is um, from the book. It's called The Valley of Vision. It's, it's Prayers of the Puritans. Um, was introduced uh, years ago to the to the value of, of prayers like that that were that were common prayers from uh, Paul Rainbow in his uh, book of common prayer from the Anglican Church that he often often used. So, uh, Deuteronomy 16. Uh, if you have an ESV Bible, it's broken down into five parts. Um, the first is Passover. So one of the feasts. The second is the Feast of Weeks. The third is the Feast of Booths, and that's where we'll start tonight, which begins at verse 13. Uh, The fourth one is justice. Uh, And the fifth one is forbidden forms of worship. Well, the the one on justice uh, that the ESV has as justice is really part of Um, part of a group of verses beginning uh, in verse 18 and going into uh, chapter 17. So we'll probably include it with that. Um, I don't think I'll be able to get to it anyway, but if I do, uh, we'll we'll get to, we won't get to the end of the chapter, I'm pretty sure. So last week we, in this class, we covered uh, the Passover and the Feast of Weeks. Um, and so tonight we come to this third, third feast. Um, and so let's just begin. What we'll do is by, I'll just read the first three verses of this section. Again, it, it's um, Deuteronomy 16, 13 to 17 in the ESV, and we'll, we'll break it there. Um, this is about uh, one of the feasts. So I'll just, I'll just start this um, Start, the, start it by reading the first three verses of Deuteronomy, beginning in Deuteronomy 16.13. And you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your winepress. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce And in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. So, so what is this about? What is this? What is this section about? So, so to to get a feel for the context of what we're talking about with this feast of booths, um, we really need to put ourselves uh, in the place of Israel, and as um, I'm sure that you know this is uh, Deuteronomy takes place. It's a, it's a series of three or four, um, depending on how you count them, uh, addresses or sermons that that Moses gives to the people of Israel on the plains of Moab, which is right across from Jericho before they enter 
the promised land. So it's 40 years after the exodus. They've been in the wilderness for 40 years, wandering around. They're getting ready now to go into um, the promised land. And and Moses does this um, in order to make the law, the Torah, clear. That's the way that's the way he he phrases it. So um, I'm just going to read a couple verses um, along those lines of what he is then what these what these sermons or addresses that he's making to the people of Israel are meant to do. So by doing this, here's what he says. This is back from Deuteronomy four. Um, I'll read the first and the last verse of of Deuteronomy 4. That's almost the last verse, second to the last verse. No, it is the last verse. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. So that's the purpose. Do these so that you can do that, so that you can live in the land. Uh, And then the, the last verse of the chapter. Therefore, you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So the, the reason that this feast is celebrated is because of that. If you, if you want to live a long time in the land, here are the things that you need to do. So um, so, so what's the deal with, with this feast? Why is this feast special? Well, the next verse Gives us some next few verses. Give us some context in Deuteronomy um, 16. So let's pick up in verse 16. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place that He will choose. Which at this time Moses didn't know. Somewhere in Israel, so they have to come together somewhere in Israel. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so that's uh, combined with Passover, Unleavened Bread, Passover. The Feast of Weeks, which was also last week that we looked at. And then this one, the Feast of Booth. So it's one of these three feasts that all the males in Israel were required to gather in the place that the Lord would choose to make his name dwell. It ends up, like I said, being Jerusalem. It's not at this time. Um, and every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing um, of the Lord your God that he has given you. Oh, I, I left out one sentence. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. So in other words, they're to bring something. And what they are to bring is every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God as he has given you. So that was to happen at the feasts. And this is one of those 
feasts. So once or three times a year, just think about this, the whole nation, all the men are to gather in one place from the whole nation, wherever they are, to this certain place, wherever God chooses, and they are to bring offerings to the Lord. And that is all part of what they are to do to live in the land a long time. And they're to go well with them and for for their children. So, knowing that, let's go back to um, verse 13. Then you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and from your wine press. So there are a couple of things with translation that I just want to touch on. Um, so new um, ESV says the Feast of Booths. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, New American Standard also says the Feast of Booths. King James, I'm sure, said the, says the Feast of Tabernacles, as I think the NIV does as well, the, the New International Version. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but just to let you know we're talking about the same thing here, same feast. Um, and then the ESV says, you shall keep the feast. And I know New American Standard says, you will celebrate the feast. Um, King James, observe, I believe, says you will observe the feast. So why do we have these three different and different, thing, different ways that this is translated. You shall keep the feast. You shall celebrate the feast. You shall observe the feast. Well, the Hebrew word behind this is the word to do or make. And so all are, um, all are interpreting that uh, in the way that they think it fits from, con- from context. You need to keep it because this is one of the things you need to keep. Okay? It doesn't sound good to say, to say in English, to say, and you shall do the feast. Um, and so, and celebrate, uh, the New American Standard is picking up on the nature of this feast. So I'm gonna, we're going to ask about three, well, a few more than three questions. I'll ask five questions about this verse, basically. So what is a booth? Or what is a tabernacle in this case? Secondly, why would you celebrate it? Thirdly, when would you celebrate this feast? And then who is to celebrate it? And how would you celebrate it? That's from this verse and in the next few, few verses. So we'll take each of those questions individually. What is a booth? That's the first one. Well, I'll start off by saying it's different from a tabernacle. Um, It has nothing to do with a tabernacle like you see in Exodus and Leviticus and in in Numbers. It's nothing to do with that. It's also different from a tent that they they normally lived in. Um, It is uh, Brown Driver Briggs, which is the best Hebrew lexicon defines it this way. It's a crude or temporary shelter for cattle, for warriors, 
for those who watch vineyards. Um, a man's shelter from the sun. So it's quickly made. It's not, it's not meant to last. So another place that this, this booth is mentioned in Scripture, there are several, but, but here's one that you know about. Jonah goes to, well, he tries not to go to Nineveh, right? But then he goes to Nineveh um, because God basically makes him go to Nineveh. And then the reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew that God would relent if they repented. And so he didn't want that to happen. And so that's why he flees because he doesn't want the people to repent and God to be merciful to them. And so what Jonah does after he's delivered the message and he sees that God is relenting on his, the disaster that he had, had, was going to execute on Nineveh. He basically says, he prays to the Lord, I knew this would happen. Because that, that you are, I knew this would be happening because you are a gracious and merciful you're slow to anger. You're abounding in steadfast love. You're that kind of a God. And I know that you relent from disaster. So that story, you remember that. And so what happens next? So Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself, made a temporary shelter for himself. There, he sat under it in the shade until he would, could see what would become of the city. So it's that kind of a thing. This booth is that kind of a thing. So um, this is also, the Feast of Booths is also uh, actually in much more length dealt with in Leviticus. So Sunday night, we just went over um, kind of an overview of Leviticus last week. And, and we know, if you were there, that there are seven feasts total that the Jewish people are to celebrate. Again, the Feast of Weeks um, is one of them, and the Feast of Booths is another one of those. So here's what, here's what it says. Here's, here's how you would celebrate it, basically. So that's one of our questions. How would you celebrate it? So, here you go. And you shall, this is Leviticus 23, starting in verse 40. And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. And you shall dwell in the booths. So you'll live in the booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in the booths. So, why would we celebrate that? 
Well, first of all, the main reason you celebrate it is because the Lord commanded us to celebrate it. I'm putting us in the, in the place of the Israelites there. Um, and it reminds people how they used to live. So at times when they were traveling, they would have had to live in booths or set up booths. They also, remember, they were slaves in Egypt. In fact, a verse right ahead of verse 13 in Exodus um, 16, verse 12, at the end of the Feast of Weeks, said, don't forget you were slaves in Egypt. So they, were, they would be temporary things to get you out of the sun. And so you, you are commanded to do that so that you remember how you used to live. And so you make these temporary things. So by the time this is, you know, years and years and years later, when they're in Israel and they have nicer houses, they were to celebrate, they were still to do the same thing. Once a year, as part of those three times when you go to Jerusalem, you, you make for yourself a temporary shelter out of branches and you live in it for seven days. So that's how we are celebrating it. So it is, so why would you do that? So, so why would you just remember how you celebrate it? Well, Let's look at another place in Deuteronomy. Moses is commanding this. God is commanding this for a reason. Um, he understands what happens when you go into, what that will happen with them as they go into the land. And so it's important for them to remember this. This is from Deuteronomy 8. And I'll start in verse 8. Just read a little bit of it. Um, I'll start in verse 7. And the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out of valleys and hills, and a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive trees and honey a land which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Good. Verse 11. Now take care, lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Lest, when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your flocks and your, your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. So if you live in America... Then your hearts will be lifted up, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery and who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there's no water, who brought you out of 
uh, brought you water out of a flinty rock, etc., etc., etc. So that's why. So that when you live in nice houses and you have all your needs taken care of, that you don't forget the Lord your God. And you, I'm going to drop down to verse 17. And beware lest you say in your heart, My power and my might of my hand have gotten me all this wealth. That's why we are to remember as Israelites how we used to live and where we were, what God rescued us from, and that all of this is from him. So comfort um, has a way of leading us astray, leading us to forget God, leading us not to be humble, but to be proud and to think that we've accomplished it, that I did it my way. So that's why we would want to celebrate a feast where we live in booths um, and remember how we used to live. So any questions first? We'll just take a quick pause there. What, what is it? Yes, Sherry. Well, that's a good question. I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked it. I was going to talk about it later, but I'll talk about it now. So I was uh, when I was in seminary. Mike Hagen. I don't know if any of you know who that he is. He was the um, he was the president of Sioux Falls Seminary when it was Sioux Falls Seminary, and at the beginning of um, before it started to go the way it went. Um, and he was also an Old Testament guy. Um, and a Hebrew guy, and so um, I spent a lot of time with Mike um, in my years there. And he he is from Southern California, uh, and when he was a young man, he would, uh, there was a large Jewish population, and, and he spoke Hebrew, so he got connected with some of them. And he would, they would hire him to build these shelters uh, in their backyards um, in Los Angeles. Okay, so some Jewish people are still celebrating the, this in, in the United States. Well, this was many years ago now. Mike's a little older than I am. Um, but the main thing, the main one they've, they celebrate, of course, is Passover. Um, even those who are not truly practicing Jewish people would, would celebrate Passover, often recognize the Sabbath, especially if they, li- they live in Israel. So yes, um, some do still pra- have this practice. And, and, uh, and Mike brought up to me something that, that will come up a little bit later, is that this is a celebration um, and at least the people that he set up huts for certainly knew how to drink at a celebration. <laughs> and so, so well, and it mentions wine vats here. So, but anyway, so yes, uh, some do that still. Some, some people do actually celebrate that feast um, still. Yes.
Yes. Josh's point, if you couldn't hear it, was that we are, throughout Israel's history and us, we are always to remember um, the thing, where we came from, basically. So often, um, God uses the phrase, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, to bring you to this land, you know, etc., to bring you to the new land, the promised land. So, to take you to be my own people. Yeah, so it's a, it's a constant reminder. Um, and the question is, should we do things like that today? Well, well, one of the... One of the, we'll talk about this a little, bit, a little bit later, but we know we're not required to or even encouraged to keep Jewish feasts once we're, we are Christians. But that doesn't mean that we don't have those same things we need to do, like remember uh, where we have, where, what Christ has rescued us from. So... Next, um, let's just talk about when you would celebrate this feast. So it's got an appointed time, a time when it is celebrated. So uh, verse 16 or verse 13 um, in Deuteronomy 16 tells us about that, when this feast is celebrated at the end of verse 13. When you've gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and and your wine press, So not when you bring the crops in from the field, but when they're processed and ready to use, ready to be stored, ready to be laid up, ready to be consumed. So that's when this feast happens. So it's after the harvest, right? It's it's when everything is sorted out. So Leviticus earlier tells us exactly when this is celebrated. It's celebrated on the 15th day of the seventh month. Their month started in the spring. Passover is on the 15th day of the first month. So this is exactly six months after Passover. Uh, The Jewish people would have been on a um, 12-month, 30-day calendar um, with, and unlike us when they have, who have leap days on leap year once in a while, they didn't do that. Uh, but it was important for them to keep Passover and the Feast of uh, Booths at the same times of the year. And so periodically they would have a leap month. So they'd add a 13th month to the calendar uh, rather than adding a day every four years. So they recognized that although they're on a lunar cycle, they really are dependent on the sun as well and, uh, and understood the difference between those. So they uh, would have had a leap month periodically. Okay, so that's when it's celebrated. So who is to celebrate it? Well, in verse 13, we can look at that again. Um, and, for, and we'll go right into 14, I guess. 14. You shall rejoice in your feast. Notice I, it's rejoice. That's why... I, New American Standard translates earlier, celebrate. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter. So you and your relatives will rejoice. Right? You and your close relatives will rejoice. 
And, and many probably noticed it doesn't say wife in here. Um, it is most likely because that would have been understood um, that as being part of the family. But this is now um, the next generation. People that would be uh, included here are you and the next generation. In other words, you want them to participate in this. So even though you saw a little, or, or we, we read earlier from a couple uh, verses later, the men are required to do this three times a year. But the women are invited, and the children are invited, the families are invited, the servants are invited. So this is a big deal. It's just the men are required to appear. So, because it tells us, you shall rejoice in your feast. You can even say commanded to include them. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant. So those would have been mentioned a couple chapters earlier that, were to, that Christian, well, Jewish people were to treat their servants who were Jewish people differently. So they include them in their feast even, right? And the Levites, because they don't have the same benefits that you do, they don't have land, um, at least a tribal land. So they're throughout the, they're throughout the country of um, Israel. The sojourner, so that is a foreigner who lives among you as a temporary resident or semi-permanent resident. The fatherless, so orphans. And the widows who were within your towns. In other words, we're to share this with everybody that is around. And don't forget, they're all gathered together. All the men were to be gathered together in one place. This is a big feast. And it is a feast that is meant to be shared with everybody, the needy, your family, your servants, everybody that is in need. You share with it and... Then, so how would you celebrate this? Now, that was the, the fifth question that we asked. How would you celebrate it? One, we already talked about this one, by living in booths. They were supposed to live in booths for those seven days. But most importantly, the purpose that, that Moses gives in this Context in these verses is that it is a rejoicing for the blessing that the Lord gives them. So, it, it, opposite of the idea when you live in your own house and you start to think, Well, I did this, it's a recognition that it is the Lord's blessing, it is the reason that you have your threshing floor full. And the reason that you have your wine vats full and now that, that product is, is preserved for your use. And the reason that you have that is because it is the Lord's blessing. So that's kind of the, that's the beauty of Deuteronomy. Is that, that Moses, as he's delivering this message, gets at the heart of things. Gets at the heart, the reason for this feast. The reason for this feast is that we 
Rejoice in the Lord. And it's very to the heart and it's very practical. So, for seven days, this is, this is Deuteronomy 16, 15. For seven days you shall keep or you shall celebrate the feast to the Lord your God at a place the Lord will choose because... The Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be joyful all together. So the the ESV says, all together joyful. Um, For you will be Surely you will be um, joyful. You must be joyful. You could almost say it that way. You shall certainly be joyful. You must be joyful. So, we are commanded as people of Israel to be joyful. So this is about that. And, and when, we, when we're sharing that, not only with our family, but with our servants and maidservants, people that we work with or work for us, um, or um, the people who are in need. This is really about showing your love for God by showing love for your neighbor. It's the way that we, it's one of the ways that we thank God for his blessings, recognizing that if we love the Lord, we're going to love these people too. And so once a year at this, this Feast of Booths, uh, also called ingathering, if you've, if you've uh, seen that somewhere else, you share that. You share that with everybody, a point, and it is a big, big Big celebration. So, remember a couple chapters ago in in Deuteronomy. Well, it's just last chapter, Deuteronomy 15. Um, there's a section there about remission of debts or suspension of debts or or something like that. Um, well, that happened every seven years, right? And it's specifically later in, later in Deuteronomy, it will tell you that it happens at this feast. This is when that happens. Um, and so it's been called, I think Daniel Block calls it, this is the happiest of all the feasts. It, it's, a, it's, a feast, it's a feast in which you splurge and share it with everybody else and you... Uh, do that, and it is to remember, to remember that it is God who has provided all this. So as I mentioned, we're not supposed to, or we're not commanded to, or even encouraged to keep these feasts. But, as, as Josh mentioned, we are, there are things, there, there are eternal things here that we need to remember, um, that we are to remember who we are in Christ because of what Christ has done. So are there eternal principles in the Feast of Booths? 
that we should be observing. Well, that's, that's, for me, it seems pretty simple that there should be. For example, I mean, does, does following Scripture, does following God's commandment lead to a better life? Does honor your father and mother that it will go well with you still apply? Yes, it does. It does still apply. So there are things throughout this Deuteronomy and including in these feasts that would tell us that, yes, we are better off if we keeps, keep God's commandments. We're commanded to do it, but we're also much better off if we do. So are we in danger? That passage from, from Deuteronomy 8 of thinking in our country when we sit in our houses and look at our 401ks and have our refrigerators full with food and have heating and air conditioning, are we in danger of forgetting the Lord our God? And thinking, boy, I have really accomplished a lot. I think so. (laughs) I, I think that we should be striving for the same things that this feast wants us to remember. So it it may be it may present an ideal picture, but I'm just gonna just use this as the main thought here. The Feast of Booths represents, or at least the, if you actually celebrated the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Booth represents a true picture of life. Or celebrating the things in it represent a true picture of life for us, that, that we would want to have what's being, what's being done, what, what they're remembering what they're celebrating, the Lord's goodness, is, is, a, is a true picture. It represents a true picture of life and a deeper meaning of life and a healthy view of life and a life that, that actually has meaning. How often in our, our lives do we hear people looking for meaning or just just thinking this way. I just want to know what the Lord has for me. Right? Well, if we think about the principles that are in the Feast of Booths, we would have those things. We would have a deeper understanding of our purpose. We would have a deeper understanding of who God is, who our neighbors are. Um, We we would just be better off. So it represents a true picture of life in God's world. God provides. We don't. We enjoy the blessings that God brings. We're supposed to share those blessings. A deeper understanding of God's world and a healthy view of God's world and meaning in God's world. So, three things along those lines of 
This is a true picture or an ideal picture of understanding a true life. So we should always rejoice because this is a feast of rejoicing because everything good comes from God. So secondly, we live in temporary shelters. We actually do. Third, we should rejoice as we share with others. So first, we should always rejoice because all the good things come from him. So in this, in this section, you will see that rejoice or joy is repeated you will rejoice, you will be joyful at this time. So this was a time for Israel to rejoice specifically about the blessings that came from their crops and from their wine press, so from their threshing floor. Specifically about how God has given them daily sustenance and an abundance of it, more than they need. That also sounds like us more than we need, and so we are to share it with those who are in need because there shall be no, no, need, no one in need among you, basically. That's what, what the reason for Deuteronomy 15 was about um, the, the remission of debts. No needy among you. The big principle there is we don't want to have that. So, Rejoice. So pay attention to rejoice here. I'll read verses 14 and 15. You shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow who are with you in your gates or in your towns. For seven days... You will keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose because the Lord your God will bless you. Because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful. That's the way ESV says it. So that you will surely be joyful. Rejoice. Rejoice. So thanksgiving, being thankful, leads to rejoicing. And so if we actually, if we actually believe that, that we belong to God and that he provides everything we need, we're thankful for that. How could we not be? Joyful. So there's a lot of talk about thankfulness these days. I mean, you guys ever been a part of a group that says, well, my word for the year is going to be this. So this is my word for the year. I'm going to think about this word all year long. Almost always in a group like that, somebody will say thankful. So I'm going to be thankful. So what is thankful? What does that mean? Well, it isn't really just icing on the cake. You know what I mean? That I'm going to do everything else and I'm going to be thankful. It is 
from a fundamental view of life that, that God provides everything for us. And so that is what we are to be like. Secondly, we live in temporary shelters. So probably none of us live in one of these huts and, or even the tents. Um, we live in nice houses. But as I was thinking through this, there, there's just no way I could avoid thinking about what, what Paul write, wrote in 2 Corinthians is about talking about our bodies, that these are, we're living in tents. Talking about our bodies. So Paul uses that with tents. So that, that this is, these tents are breaking down. They're fading away. And that's who we are. And so, so don't live like that we're, that we're not. In other words, um, that's how we can say we have temporary light affliction. Not worthy to be compared with the glory before us. So if you've ever wondered if, you've, um, if we're living in tents, in temporary shelters, Go to your 45th class reunion. (laughs) Because I just did. (laughs) And um, one of my friends said to me, I'm going to use a a name not his. I can't believe Joe's still alive. Just look at him. We are living in temporary shelters, and we do. Um, I'm going to turn to Psalm 90 because this is this is Psalm 90, um, verse 10. This is this is this is what it says a prayer of Moses, the man of God. 90 verse 10. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80, we might add, or by reason of modern medicine, even if I'm not strong, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. So, we pretend that that's not true. I don't know if you've noticed that, but we pretend that that's not true. Our society pretends that that's not true. We think we can, um, you know, age is just in your mind. Age is just a number. Well, it is a number, <laughs> but it's a real number, right? We are in temporary shelters. So, I live subconsciously like that are, is not true. So, so, I think of things that I want to do 20 years from now. And I think that that means that 20 years from now, I will be just like I am. And 20 years will, be come, will come and go, and I will be able to do everything that I can do now. And I've compounded that subconsciously by thinking I'm really 40. 
And so when I get to be in my mid-80s, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to be 40 in 20 years. I'm pretty good at doing that. We don't have to try hard to do that. We have to try hard to, re- to take Paul's advice and remember that we are living in tents. So that would be a reason to remember where we came from and where we are headed. Thirdly, and real quickly, we should rejoice as we share God's good things with others. As I mentioned, this is about loving our neighbors as ourselves. So, so notice that we are to share it with all of those people, basically, who are part of the community of Israel. It says, in your gates here, in, um, and that means in your city, in your locality, in your community, in the church. Uh, Paul, or I don't think it's Paul, writes to us, Maybe it is that we are to to be good do good to all, but especially the household of faith. So things like bringing sweet corn for the community are biblical. They really are. That is that is what they would do at the feast of booths. They bring what the Lord has blessed them with. Uh, and as I mentioned, this is just the happiest. Festival and, and so the happiest festival is a picture of true life or life with a true understanding of God's world. So let's just close in prayer because it is it is eleven thirty. Lord, thank you for your word to us here through your servant Moses in Deuteronomy. And that you have your spirit teaches us from these words true things that we need to learn. To be thankful uh, to you because you are the source of all, the source of all good. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.